Hello. I am thrilled to welcome you to a series of interviews that I hope will make a brilliant addition to Six Impossible Things. It's important to me that we hear from creatives from all walks of life. So I think it's wonderful to connect with a wide range of people who are at different stages in their creative path. We will talk with crafters, artists both emerging and established, art teachers, curators, and with people who are just venturing into a new creative hobby. Everyone deserves to have their voices heard. Join me in appreciating and supporting all their efforts equally and with kindness. Jordan Hale is an art teacher in Dallas, Texas. She is dedicated and resourceful. And although teaching is a challenging profession at the best of times, she continues to make her students excited about art making. She diligently fashions her lessons for the enjoyment of all of her students. There are so many resources available these days, and Jordan knows how to make the best of all of them. If you ever considered teaching art, she is a wonderful source of encouragement, and information, and she will share some of her tips and suggestions with us today. Let's go into this little part of Wonderland called a classroom, where imagination is an invaluable asset. We can learn, we can play, grow, and explore while making art. Is there anything more hopeful than that? Hello and welcome to Six Impossible Things. Today I'm celebrating a first. I will be talking to an art teacher who is very much in the trenches helping young artists. And I am delighted that we have her here to tell us about the ups and downs of this profession. We will learn about her work in the classroom and also about her creative activities that keep her engaged outside of her work environment. So there is a lot of ground to cover. So first of all, I'm going to say, hello, Jordan, so nice to meet you. Hi, it's so nice to meet you as well. And I'm happy to be here today. Thank you so much for being here. Let's start out as usual with a brief presentation and please feel free to include any information about you that you think might be relevant to the conversation. Sure. Um, so my name is Jordan and I am from Dallas, Texas. I'm actually a sixth generation Dallas site. So my whole family is here and we love it. Um, I'm 28 years old and this is my sixth year of teaching. I've had a lot of art experience, um, but art isn't my only passion. I enjoy working out. I enjoy time with family and friends, trying new places. And um, one of my little best buddies is my multi-poo, Holly. Oh. So I have a wide variety of interest and, and love, but art is definitely one of my passions. That sounds like you're a very well-rounded person. Yes, I try to be. <laughs> I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. And that's probably excellent for your, for your students, because nothing better than a well-rounded person in the, in the classroom, I think. I agree. 
I, uh, well, we know where you teach, but um, do you teach at a, a specific school, a particular school? Yes. Right now I'm at the Episcopal School of Dallas, and it is a private school. And we have beginners age three all the way through 12th grade. Mm. And uh, you mentioned that you've been a teacher since you were 21 years old. Is that correct? Um, yes, just about right out of college. I was able to get a um, permanent substitute position. Oh, that's wonderful. And um, what, just so people understand uh, what kind of a uh, background an art teacher needs to have, what classes did you take when you were going to college? Sure. Well, um, actually, before that, I was very blessed to get into an art magnet high school here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And it is called Booker T. Washington High School for the Performing and Visual Arts. And it's actually an interview process and you have to um, go in and apply and create artwork and have a portfolio just to get accepted. Um, so I was very blessed to go through that program in high school because it basically mirrors the art courses that you would take in college. So I had that in high school. And then in college, we have a university here called the University of North Texas. Mm -hmm. And they actually offer one of the only art education programs in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so within that program, you get all of the studio arts like a art major would have. Mm -hmm. But you also get the education courses woven into the curriculum as well. Mm -hmm. um, so for anyone who doesn't have that as an option, you would have to do um, education and an art, some sort of art minor to kind of get the same experience. I see. I was not familiar yeah. with that, that type of program. Mm -hmm. it, it really prepares you very well for when you go into college. Yes. You know, I was, uh, we were having a brief conversation before we, we, we started the interview and uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your personal or private practice, if you have any artistic practice in you, I'm sure non-existent free time. <laughs> um, you know, that is always a funny question that I get asked quite frequently. Um, I have created art, you know, ever since I was little bitty, it's been an interest of mine um, in elementary school. And I would always ask my mom to sign me up for extra classes or go to studios and have art parties and all kinds of things. So I've always been interested in the arts. But um, as I continued my journey and, you know, created art all through high school and art all through college, as I became a teacher, as you mentioned, you kind of lose that free time. You kind of lose that personal time. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I really don't create much on my own anymore. Mm -hmm. And I try <laughs> to make it um, to make it a positive thing because I am actually creating every day when I'm creating demonstrations and sample projects for the projects that I teach my kids. Mm -hmm. So I do still get that creativity every day. Um, a couple of other ways that I do also incorporate art is I do teach summer school classes. And again, those are lessons and projects that I develop. Um, I've also done a couple of art parties for my friends and family where I'm instructing adults and using mm -hmm. lessons and creating lessons. Um, and then I've done some private lessons as well. So I do feel like I still get 
um, some art outside of school, just kind of in different areas or different venues. Well, I think it sounds to me like there is a lot that you do that's creative because I know that putting together a curriculum is very challenging. Oh, yes. <laughs> very challenging. Mm -hmm. So um, if we move into the arena of your, uh, we were talking about the school, your classroom activities, um, what type of activities do you find are the most useful in the classroom? What, what elicits the most creative responses from your students? Oh, wow. Um, great question. Um, I would have to say I really try to keep up with the current events. I really try to keep up with the current and contemporary artists. Um, I've always woven art history and historical artists into my lesson planning. Um, and, but recently with all these new artists and muralists, um, I love to incorporate what's happening now and what they're interested in right now. Um, and I think that kind of helps keep their interest because they are so immersed in technology. Um, they want instant gratification. They love kind of what's happening in the world. Um, they, they like to bring in what they are experiencing at home and, and their after school activities. So I would say just making sure that my curriculum is up to date with student interest is really what helps spark their creativity. So what I hear is that you use art as a way of teaching about other cultures and culture issues that are, you know, current. Is that is that a very difficult undertaking in this in this climate today? Oh, certainly. Um, you know, I have to be cautious of what is school appropriate and what is age appropriate and also be cautious of the different backgrounds and cultures of the students. Mm. Um, but I do think it's important to expose them to artists that are not all American or not all from Europe. I think it's important that they experience artists from other cultures, Mexican-American artists, um, Japanese artists, and we get to glimpse, you know, take a glimpse at some of their culture and why they create what they create um, in a safe environment where students can reflect and discuss with me. Oh, I, I think that is absolutely crucial and I completely mm -hmm. agree with you. I was just wondering if you've ever had any issues with, uh, you know, because it must be very difficult at times not to cross that line where people feel that there's some appropriation, for instance. Oh, certainly, you know, something that's really important to me is being cognizant of those things and appropriation for sure. Um, so what I try to do is I'm actually in groups on Facebook and Instagram with fellow art teachers, and we're really able to collaborate and discuss and ask questions like, what's the best way to teach about this artist? Or how can I present this culture correctly without appropriating, um, you know, something that's important to them? But I do still feel like it's important for students to be able to experience and learn about different cultures. One, one question that um, I have for my, uh, for my guests sometimes, which is important to me because I use my personal practice to manage, um, among other things, stress. It, it's of interest to me to find out if your own art making, on it, or in this case, your students' art making, helps them deal with stress better. Oh, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Um, I, I believe so. I mean, for me, art was always a stress reliever. Um, 
you know, even just coloring pages and just um, mindfully doodling and things like that, just to kind of help your brain kind of turn off for a minute in terms of thinking about the everyday stresses of life and your to-do list. Um, so I think for my students, when they enter the classroom, I do want them to feel like art is a place where they can kind of come to a bit more of a calm um, atmosphere and they can really kind of turn off the oh, I need to focus on this test or I have this quiz or, you know, homework that I'm doing later. And instead, let's learn about a new technique. Let's experiment with a new art media. Um, how can I turn my right brain on so that I can do the creativeness that comes out of that side of the brain? Um, so I definitely do believe that art is definitely an area or a space to help relieve stress. Yeah, I was thinking about along the lines of stress because I'm sure school-age children have had a lot to deal with in the last few years. And mm -hmm. uh, parents have had a lot to deal with in the last few years as well. And that all trickles down to the kids. And uh, teaching is a challenging professor profession in the best of days. Mm -hmm. So uh, with the pandemic, uh, has your method changed in the last two years or so? How have you adapted to the pandemic and the additional stress that that has brought? Sure. So um, me and some coworkers were actually just talking about that yesterday, how, you know, our fourth graders at this point, because right now I teach grades one through four, mm -hmm. you know, part, almost, I guess, half of their school from one through four was kind of affected by the pandemic. So we've mm -hmm. noticed that maybe fourth graders today, they don't have the same education that fourth graders a few years ago had. It, it changed a lot, as you mm -hmm. said, due to the pandemic. So I think there's a lot to learn from the way we had to adapt to the pandemic and the new ways of teaching. I think the use of technology in a lot of ways can be positive. You know, we've learned how to record ourselves teaching and upload lessons. And that's something that we can use as a tool when students are absent, especially for an extended period of time. Um, I think it's also helped us um, in regards to being a little bit more sensitive to students' um, life outside of school. Mm -hmm. Because now we can take into consideration, oh, is this misbehavior because um, they're wanting attention or is this misbehavior because of something that's going on at home? I think it kind of opened our eyes that, you know, like you said, students have stresses outside of school that unfortunately will carry over when they come to school. Um, so I think it does help in a lot of ways. We've just we've learned how to accept children for kind of where they're at. And uh, of course, you need to manage your own levels of stress to mm -hmm. be your best in the classroom, mm -hmm. I imagine. So do you have any favorite activities outside of the classroom that you use as stress relievers? Yes. So working out has been something that's been important to me since my freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. um, I've tried different ways of working out. I love going to the gym. Um, I've had a personal trainer for a couple of years. I've taken group classes, Zumba. I love to always try new things in terms of fitness, um, walking outside, um, even just taking my dog to the dog park is something that helps relieve stress. 
Um, and overall, my health in general is something that's important to me. I know that if I'm exercising my body and I'm choosing to eat healthy and I'm making choices that I know will make me physically feel better, then I can be a better teacher in the classroom as well. And they make you feel psychologically better as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perhaps a, a question that seems basic, but, I, but uh, why do you think it's so important to include art as part of the core curriculum? Oh my goodness, I love this question. <laughs> um, I love it whenever parents or my friends or even strangers that I meet ask when, I, when I'm introduced to them and I tell them what I do for a living. Art is just so important. Um, just as Picasso said, every child is an artist. The issue is that as we become adults, we either forget to practice it or we just assume that we're not good at it. So we, we just try to push it away or eliminate it out of our lives. But the truth is that art is honestly in, inside of everyone. It just requires practice. So for some students and adults, that practice they put into sports or their career or you know, working out or whatever their avenue of interest is. Um, but art is so important because it's not just about the final product. It's not just about making something beautiful. Um, a lot of people also think that art is just, oh, I could never be a successful studio artist and sell my work, so I just can't do art. Um, and again, that's only one small facet of it. So going back to your question, art, especially in the elementary age, it's so important for students to continue to push the creative side of their brain because it helps them not only with problem solving skills, but these skills are transferable to many aspects of their school as well as their lives. Um, it teaches you to kind of push your confidence and try new things and kind of step out of the box and and think differently. Um, it gives you an area to kind of maybe create based on what's going on at home or stresses of your life. It, it, it just opens so many doors um, just about diving into the creative process instead of just thinking you have to create something beautiful, but why are you creating this? Why are you choosing these colors? Why are you choosing this art media? Um, it is just so important. I could go on and on about why art is important. You know, you explain very eloquently what art uh, teaches and gives the children, but mm -hmm. what does it give you as the teacher, as the adult in the classroom? What does it give for me or what does it do for me? Yeah, what does it do for you? Oh, gosh. I just love sharing my passion to the students. I love helping them build their confidence. Um, one way that I do that, one of my favorite things that's so rewarding for me, I got this off of the Art of Education website and they have a lot of great resources, but it's called um, a mantra, my mantra. And I say it with my students at the beginning of every class and it is, I am positive, I am creative, I am mindful, I am amazing, I am an artist. And they actually look forward to saying that with me at the beginning of each class. And, and if, they, if I forget, they, they're sure to remind me because they love it. <laughs> That's excellent. And one thing I'm thinking when you describe that is that, of mm -hmm. course, the parents are not present when that happens. Mm -hmm. um, 
in your experience, um, what kind of expectations do parents have from the art classes? Do they have a, a good understanding of art education in general? Um, I would say no. I would say for the most part, parents probably have a general idea of my student goes to art class, they get to experiment and create art. And that could just be the extent of what they believe. Now, other parents who maybe have a little more experience or maybe themselves have a love for art and support art, they might have a broader understanding um, than just that basic summary. Um, but yeah, I would say for the most part, they, they may or may not know what happens in the art room and how lessons are taught these days. So they have a fairly limited understanding. And this goes back mm -hmm. to why it's so important to put art into the curriculum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, do you ever have to talk to parents during parent-teacher conferences, for instance, and explain uh, the benefits of, of art education for their children? And how do they receive that? Sure. So I'm not usually in on the parent-teacher conferences, um, and that's okay. I don't mind not having that one-on-one. -on -one. I will sometimes have parents sign up for a conference, and it brings me a lot of joy because um, I love to talk to them about their student and what they're learning in my class. But at the school that I'm currently teaching at, we do a really neat um, parent-teacher night at the beginning of the year, and it's somewhat of an open house, if you will, and we actually get the opportunity to stand in front of groups of parents and present what we do and why. And when I say we, um, we have what's called a cast team at my school. That's what our specials group is called, content area specialist teachers. Mm -hmm. And so it's myself as the art teacher, music, library we have a math specialist, and we also have a science lab teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and we create Google Slides presentations where we can have about five minutes to show parents and tell parents what we do and why. And it's amazing because it's an opportunity for you to advocate for yourself as well as the course you're teaching. And I have found that these past two years that we've done that, I've gotten a lot better communication from parents and a lot more support. And I don't think it's that they wouldn't be supportive, but I think when we're in, in their face, if you will, face-to-face, mm -hmm. um, -face, we're able to really show and explain because we're the ones who can explain it best, not just a summary written in an email or even having your principal, you know, explain it. It's, it's an area where you get to explain and connect with the parents. That's that's very well put, actually. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering when you were explaining that, if you ever collaborate with some of the other teachers in projects, is there any cross-pollination? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, at my school, the Episcopal School of Dallas, we are all about collaboration. Um, we're very blessed because we don't have a strict curriculum that we have to follow. We're not given... Um, we're an independent school, so we're not given a actual um, curriculum. We can kind of develop it on our own, mm. but it, it gives us so much freedom to say, hey, I'm going to be doing a lesson on um, Kusama's pumpkins. Do you in the library have any books about this artist? Um, or there's maybe an experiment in science that can kind of relate to art. 
Um, we also have a design lab that we're kind of, it's up and coming, but it's a space that we're hoping to use for, you know, STEAM related, as well as other math and science. And I mean, all of that encompassed, but yes, we have so much cross collaboration and, and it's fun. You <laughs> mentioned uh, Yayoi Kusama. Yes. Uh, you know, as an individual who's interested in art, who are the artists that you look up, you look up to for inspiration? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Kusama, I love her and her work and the meaning behind her work and just her life in general. Um, <clears throat> Jen Stark is a muralist who does the dripping rainbows. She's a really neat person. Um, I also love authors and illustrators like Peter H. Reynolds. He has really amazing books that are very inspirational to kids. And it's neat because he writes and draws the images in the books. Mm. Um, I do, of course, love historical artists like Pablo Picasso. Um, my students are always wanting to learn about the Mona Lisa every year. <laughs> That's just something that when, when children think art, they think Mona Lisa. And, and I'm okay with that. Um, but it's important that I show them new artists and other artists, too. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say there's just one. I would say it's a whole list. And um, to kind of end that statement, one of my students asked me recently, they said, Miss Hale, um, how do you choose what artists we study? And I said, you know, what I try to do is I have a whole list of artists that I've learned about and love. And new artists are added every year, as I said. But what I try to do is in each grade level, we learn about different ones so that by the time you get through fourth grade, you've experienced and learned about a wide variety of artists. How did you go about putting together that particular lesson? Sure. So um, I love her pumpkins and I personally just love pumpkins for fall. Um, and so I thought, you know, she has painted versions as well as sculptural versions. And last year, one of my fellow teacher friends, Keisha Cassiano. She also has a really neat Instagram account. Um, she created this 3D lesson that you would make a pumpkin out of uh, grocery sacks, tape, and plaster gauze. And that's how you would form the structure of the sculpture. And then you would paint it um, with the spotted designs as Kusama did. And I loved that lesson and my children in my classes last year loved it too. This year, I wanted to try something different. I thought, why not make a giant 2D version? Um, and how can I incorporate some other important elements of art like value? So I had the students pick one color and we learned about how mixing in white, we can create a tint or tints of those colors. So they would choose one color and make a gradient um, by adding white little by little. Um, and then I thought, what's a good way? I know I had seen another art teacher, and I can't remember who, um, use these circle stamp sponges. And I thought, well, wow, that would really make a nice clean spot without having to try and hand paint circles. Um, so we went that direction. And originally, like I did on the pumpkin sculptures last year, I was like, I'm going to instruct them how to do it like Kusama and do smaller spots in the ridges and larger spots, uh, excuse me, spots on the outside of the ridges to make kind of, you know, the illusion of space and depth. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know what, I think I'm going to give the kids a little bit of freedom. 
And wow, their spotted designs. I loved how they all came out differently. Um, same with the value you might notice. I gave them flexibility. Do you want your darkest value to be on the bottom and get lighter at the top or vice versa? Do you want lighter on the side and darker to the right, left, right, you know, different versions. And I really wanted to give them that creative freedom. Um, and then they were kind of still thinking, Miss Hale, we really liked the 3D one you did last year. Why can't we do that? So I thought, you know what, let's just make a paper sculpture um, using the same spotted design. And that'll kind of be your 3D element. Mm -hmm. um, and something I found myself doing over the years is a 2D version of an art project with an accompanying 3D version. Um, so I like to do that often. <laughs> That's a really good idea. So mm -hmm. the, the wonderful thing about that is that they're learning techniques, but they're also learning expressions. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they enjoy that very much. Mm -hmm. It seems like they were they were going to town with a project. They never... <laughs> If you give them any, any creative license, they never disappoint. Yes, I agree. I'm always amazed by what they can come up with. I also looked at a mural that you made based on the book titled The Dot. Mm -hmm. so some Andy Warhol flower prints. Yes. And uh, I really like the flower prints. I was wondering how the Supreme Court ruling is going to... <laughs> <laughs> influence that but um they were really beautiful can you tell us a little bit about that project sure um i found that project gosh probably three or four years ago um, i'm not sure if it was a pinterest or from one of my facebook groups of art educators i'm in um, but i've kind of revamped it over the years something that was one of my professional goals last year was incorporating more printmaking into my art classroom. Printmaking is, is somewhat of a challenge for me. It's not something that I would say is my favorite media, but I'm learning to love it. And I definitely want my students to love it and experience it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very blessed once I've got this job at this school, I actually have a lot of art teacher colleagues so my friend Amber, who teaches our early childhood department, she loves printmaking. So I'm learning a lot from her. And I decided to try the jelly prints. Mm -hmm. And that is a first grade project. So I thought, well, let's create kind of a grassy jelly print. And Andy Warhol's prints were normally square for his flowers. So I thought that's perfect. We have the square jelly prints. And oh my gosh, kids love printmaking, any kind of printmaking. <laughs> so we did um, just green ink and then I have some different scraping tools. You could also use a fork to kind of create grassy texture. And then for the flowers, um, I actually print off a page that has four flowers. And we've been using um, a popular new art supply called Quick Sticks Paint Sticks. Hmm. And um, they're really neat. They're I think they have a website called Quick Sticks, but I usually just get them on Amazon. And it's just paint and a stick, similar to how a glue stick works. You just roll it up. Uh -huh. um, but it's neat because it's mess-free and it dries quickly. Uh -huh. So um, they color in their flowers and then they cut them out and glue them onto their grass. And one of my students, it was amazing. I was telling them, you know, to make sure to glue down the edges so the flowers stick. And he was like, well, Miss Hale, what if we curled 
the petals up and made it kind of 3D. I love that idea. Let's do it. So then they started creating kind of a more 3D effect with the petals. Um, I do have a book that I believe is called, I don't know if, oh, Uncle Andy. There's a book. It's really neat about Andy Warhol's children's book. And then um, we also mainly just talk about how he created prints and how printmaking works. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't get too, too political in our first grade lesson for the flower prints. Um, you know, you talked a little bit, you explained how you pick your projects. Now that you were talking about some of the materials that you use, how do you source your supplies? Um, I'm very blessed at the school that I'm currently working out. We have a huge art budget, so we're able to order most, if not all, of the supplies that we need and want. Um, and I'm constantly finding new materials or new techniques and things that I'd like for my classroom. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I'm able to um, order and receive those items. So that you don't have to fight for every scrap that you need to use in the classroom. Correct. <laughs> so um, did you tell us a little bit about the mural? Because you were saying that this year you were very interested in making murals. Sure. So um, that was another collaboration with me and the early childhood teacher, Amber. Um, we've done dot lessons before. I, I think that was probably the first lesson I ever taught in my own classroom was inspired by the book, The Dot. And so I've done it a couple of different ways. I've used paper plates to create kind of a mandala dot. I've used just large paper cut into a circle. I've used different media because I just think that that book and that lesson is, is a really neat one to incorporate, especially at the beginning of the year, because it's all about teaching kids how to make their mark. Mm. Um, but for this lesson, we were sitting down over the summer and we were like, you want to do the dot? Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it a school-wide collaboration. Um, so school-wide for us is um, beginners age three through fourth grade. And she was like, well, let's see if we can find an artist or maybe each grade level is inspired by a different artist. And she said, you know what? There's this really neat artist that I found last year named Zochi Solis. Mm -hmm. And she's a Mexican-American artist. And she actually has a studio in Mexico as well as Austin, Texas. And so it was really neat to be able to teach about an artist who's very close to home since we're in Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, so we looked at her collages and she has these beautiful, large scale layered collages that are kind of oval shape. And she goes, what if we create like a dot inspired by Solis? And so what we decided to do was different versions, different sizes for grade levels, of course, for their ability. Um, but it was basically a painted dot that they would create and then we added like um, a piece of colored scrapbook paper or textured paper and then um, construction paper, colored construction paper, and then a print of some sort. So whether it was like a bubble print or a jelly print um, or any kind of printmaking as like the final layer. And then we just kind of took it from there and we um, installed a beautiful collaboration of kind of an overflowing dot that wrapped around two of our um, building walls. Did you ever use collage in the classroom? Oh yes, I do. 
Um, I love, actually, we're working on in first grade, um, a collage inspired by Henry Matisse. Mm. And I love teaching about Matisse because as you know, he always, um, after he was ill and in a wheelchair, he began creating collages. And he would use painted paper and, and just add layers all over his wall. Um, and yeah, I've done different collages throughout the year. I can't think of any other specific ones, but I do love um, teaching the kids about cutting and gluing and uh, layering for sure. And what discipline do you think in general? And I know there are going to be differences from student to student, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, what discipline do you think they take to most enthusiastically? Oh, that one's easy. All things clay. What, what type of things do you make with clay? Well, so this is actually my first school that I have a kiln in my classroom. So um, this past year was really the first year that I was able to use real clay for the students. Mm -hmm. um, but before that, I still incorporated 3D clay-like materials like air dry clay um, and model magic. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, other sculptural materials that we created, cardboard, pipe cleaners, things like that. Um, but last year, since I had a kiln, I was really excited because my, my main goal is to make sure that students get one clay project per grade level. So that way they have a clay project um, each year, essentially. And once I get more comfortable with clay in the kiln in my classroom, then I could maybe kind of add on to that. But last year we did, um, we have a traditional project at my school where students in first grade create a clay angel. Um, and it's kind of part of their Christmas program as well as just like a um, important project that they, they use it um, to decorate their home for Christmas time. Um, second grade, they created a clay cupcake container. So they learned about like pinch pots and a little bit of the coil method. Third grade, we had studied Vincent van Gogh and created an oil pastel sunflower drawing. So we tried creating a sunflower bowl, which you can see on my Instagram as well. I, going back to your question at the beginning, my favorite artist I would have to say is Wayne Tebow. Hmm. And um, he passed away a couple of years ago at the age of 101. Oh. Um, but students in fourth grade were learning about Wayne Tebow and we created some donut clay sculptures. Oh, very popular. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, moving away from the classroom a little bit, not really. I mean, we're still uh, within uh, the same the same general topic, but um, with the experience that you have accrued during the last few years, what, mm -hmm. what would be your suggestion for someone who's thinking of, of teaching art? Sure, of course. Um, so if they have any interest in art and any interest in teaching about it, whether it's little bitties or middle school age or high school or even adults, um, wherever it is that they're interested in working or teaching, whether it's at a studio or in a, uh, a school, um, it's important that they do have the love and experience of working with whatever age group that they're interested in. Um, and of course, having any proper certificates or a teaching certificate and all of those avenues. 
Um, but also you have to be patient with yourself because your first year is not going to be your best. Um, there's so many challenges. Um, it, there's going to be highs and lows and a whirlwind of roller coaster of emotions, but you've got to get through that first developmental year. And then you'll start to see a little bit of hope as you start your second and third years. Um, it, you just got to push through and it's all about time management. It's all about making sure that you have your lesson plans in order, that you know what supplies you need, that you know what resources you need. Um, and you're kind of in some ways ahead of yourself, knowing what's what you're going to do next. What lesson are you going to begin next? Because it's so easy to get overwhelmed and behind in your classroom. Um, another thing is to ask for help. Reach out, connect on social media, find other teachers that are, you know, in the trenches already. Um, look for resources like Deep Space Sparkle or um, Art of Education, where they have lesson plans ready for you to try out. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help at your school directly. Can parents help display artwork? Can parents collect materials? It's all about reaching out and connecting because it's hard to do it on your own. And do you feel that as you progress, and I'm hearing there's a lot of, uh, you have to have some staying power, I have to say. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel that as time goes on, you're capable of more creativity that you were, you know, that you were displaying initially? Do you, you know, do you get some additional creativity uh, from your students, perhaps? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, not only am I just accruing knowledge of my own um, and fixing and tweaking lesson plans and finding new ways of teaching, um, but my students, I do learn so much from my students. And once I've created the lesson and taught the lesson and they come up with um, a new way of doing it, like the pedals in a 3D version, um, then I'm able next year when I produce that lesson again or present it, I'm able to use those ideas as well. Um, and it's all about tweaking. What didn't work last year? What can I do this year? Um, or this gluing technique didn't work. How can I change that when we glue again next time? Um, it's all about self-reflection and trying new things for sure. It's always changing and hopefully mm -hmm. always improving. Yes. That's, that's the goal, I guess, for for everything really mm -hmm. everything that we do and uh, you were talking about um you know the next year and beyond and could you give us a sneak peek into perhaps what the year next year or so holds in terms of upcoming projects <laughs> um well i will say this kind of going back to your previous question each year i've been documenting what lessons i've done Another tip is it's important to take pictures of either maybe your demonstration as well as student work. Um, it's important to keep files of how you present the lesson. So for me, I use a lot of Google Slides. Um, you got to keep a good documentation of all those materials so that you can reuse them and, and tweak them each time. Um, so as a sixth year teacher, I have this whole kind of 
curriculum of what I've done, if you will, like a lockbox of all these lessons, I can kind of filter through and say, hmm, what do I want to do this year? Or how do I want to change it this year? So I definitely have some fun projects coming up. We are getting ready to start some Christmas or holiday-ish lessons. One of the ones I did last year was the blended candy cane lesson, and it's become one of my favorites. So we're definitely going to stick with that. Um, in January, we're looking forward to hopefully another collaborative mural installation. Um, we haven't quite chosen that just yet, but Amber and I will hopefully give you some sneak peeks coming soon. Um, and then next spring, something that our two bosses kind of developed as our school theme this year is bees and beehives and how bees work together um, as a community. And so I found this really neat lesson where you use um, bubble printing for the hive or the honeycomb, I guess. And then um, this is another printmaking skill that I'm trying to learn is using like a foam block. Um, it's really more, I guess, of a foam paper where the students can carve into like a bee design and create prints of bees. So I'm hoping to have like a huge um, honeycomb installation with printed bees. That's so interesting. Are there any field trips in your near future? Because you have some fabulous museums in Dallas. Oh, wow. Yes. So that's another one of my professional goals. I've actually never taken my students on a field trip in my five years of teaching. So hopefully as my sixth year of teaching, I will incorporate um, hopefully a museum visit. I know the art teacher before me used to take fourth graders to the Nasher. Um, so that could be somewhere that I might start. I know the DMA should hopefully have some um, pretty interesting exhibits coming up in the spring. Um, I've always wanted to take my little ones. We have this thing called the Crayola experience where you can learn and see how crayons are made and then you can actually make your own. I want to go with you. Me too. I haven't been and it's been open for like three years. So um, those are definitely things on my list. I do want to take my kids to experience a museum for sure. I've always <laughs> loved museums. Um, so is there anything that we've left on the table, I wonder? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I mean, I will just say that I just have loved my experience as an art educator. Um, I've learned so much about myself and I've really grown to love children's imaginations more than I've ever thought I would. Um, I actually told my bosses last year, I said, I think year five is the year, like you're teaching year five. It's like you finally just get it. It clicks. You feel secure. You feel like, okay, now I can do anything. I can try really maybe somewhat crazy ideas in the classroom and feel okay if something fails. Because even as a veteran teacher, you're going to have lessons that flunk. You're going to have, you know, classroom oopsies. Um, but it's all about just learning and growing and the kids help you along the way. Well, um, it's been a lot of fun talking to you today, Jordan. You have a wonderfully enthusiastic teaching style, you know, and I can't wait to see more artwork made by your students. And and I, I was thinking that I, I would also love to see your own practice develop further, perhaps, in time. 
Yes, that definitely needs to be a goal of mine, but um, I really appreciate your support and thank you for following my page. And I can't wait to continue sharing my students' work and maybe some of mine one day. So uh, thank you so much for your time. And for more information and images of the work currently in progress, please check the episode notes. I will be with you once again next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Six Impossible Things. I hope you enjoyed it. Please join me again next week. Subscribe on your favorite app so you don't miss any episodes. And visit madcollage.com for original artwork, exclusive prints, and monthly offers. For extra goodies, please visit my Redbubble store and select your favorite merchandise. You can also help make Six Impossible Things possible with a small contribution so that I can enjoy a lovely cup of tea while I write and edit this content. Have a peaceful and creative week. Take care.